the side I'm going to operate on, he fights with me. Long story short, I said, listen, you're weak on this side. Why is that? I don't know. Well, I'm having my surgery on Friday. I go, listen, you need to go to a neurologist, get a nerve conduction study. Make a long story short, I diagnose in this guy post-polio syndrome. He didn't even know that he had polio as a child. I ended up ultimately mm-hmm. doing his surgery. But you'd be surprised. The simple things that we do, you know, the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. You have to be enough wisdom but enough experience. So I imagine as a GI guy, the gut is from the mouth to the rectum, the anus. You're doing rectal exams because you're in that business. But how many times do you say to a guy, you know what, your prostate feels weird to me, and find a diagnosis of prostate cancer? Take us through what it's like in your experience, your world, where you found something unexpected. Well, you have, first of all, it, it's everything is so automated now, and we're so distanced from patients. You have to examine and touch a patient. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, it's not so much the doctor's problem, it's the system. We are, we are so distracted by that computer and inputting data. And if you're a slow typer like myself, I mean, honestly, if without my scribe, I would have to, I, I couldn't see the number of people I see in the course of the day. Mm-hmm. I want to focus on the patient, look at the patient. So the, the thing that probably the most unexpected thing that I found uh, when I examined somebody was probably... I, a patient was coming in for a um, routine abdominal examination, and it was a young patient. And I was expecting, okay, it's probably irritable bowel because that's just a nervous gut that we see that a lot. Half of our practice is that. And uh, I examined the patients, and I feel a mass hmm. in the abdomen, hmm. and it was a big mass. And then I put my stethoscope on it, and I can hear the sound of the mass. Hmm. So I'm thinking, okay, this cannot be right, and maybe it's just sort of uh, – Maybe it's the stomach or, or maybe it's just something that's distended, bloated, full of air. And then I do a CAT scan and I see something that I was not expecting. It was a mass in the pancreas, a very vascular mass. It was not a malignancy. Hmm. Patient went to surgery, had it removed, and is around 10 years later. Wow. But I was not expecting any type of tumor like that. But I felt it and I heard it with the stethoscope. Hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, that was the only case I've seen this in 30 years. But... Yes, unless you listen to the patient, that is, with your ears and with your hands and with your stethoscope, you you may miss a diagnosis frequently. Mm -hmm. And by the way, the most common cause for malpractice in this era is misdiagnosis. Mm -hmm. So we have to, we we really, and I told you, and I think you probably may know what I'm saying because you and I are almost the same vintage. We're distracted from the patient. Medicine's becoming very depersonalized, and it's not the doctor. I think it's the system. Yeah, I agree with you. While we're on the subject of irritable bowel syndrome, teach us what that is, and are there foods we can eat differently? Are there medicines? How do you treat someone who has a nervous gut? All right, well, this is the most common thing we see in practice. So an IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, that is the, um, the acronym, IBS, is probably half of the patients that we see in a GI practice. And irritable bowel can be anywhere from the lips to the anus. It can be indigestion. It can be nausea. It can be constipation. It could be diarrhea. So depending on what type of IBS a patient has, our algorithm will, will go down that branch and will treat accordingly. For instance, diarrhea is a very common cause of IBS. And you can remember since you were a kid, when you have an exam in school, mom, my stomach hurts. I can't go to school. Mm-hmm. So it starts as a young age. 
And what I like to do is I rule out other causes of diarrhea. Like, for instance, I want to make sure there's no evidence of something like Crohn's or ulcerative colitis. I want to make sure there's no celiac. Mm. So ultimately, what I do with somebody that has IBS, I can tell at the beginning, but I can't make the diagnosis without doing diagnostic testing because it's a diagnosis of exclusion. Nor can I tell the patient that they're stressed out because I just met the patient. I want them to gain my confidence so they're going to listen to what I'm saying. So what I will do is do some routine blood tests. I may do a stool examination. I may do a check for celiac. And then I may do a colonoscopy, do some biopsies, make sure there's not Crohn's and ulcerative colitis. So now we rule out everything. They have IBS. So then we go down to food allergies. I, I want to know what food you eat. Uh, is something bothering you? I may get food allergy testing. And supposing everything is negative now and they're still having the diarrhea, then I like to go to something called a FODMAP diet, and that is an acronym for carbohydrates. And I'm not going to bore you what, what it means, but I'll just say it. I'll put it out there. Fermentable oligosaccharide, disaccharide, monosaccharide, and polyols. Mm. Those are different types of carbohydrates. And we'll do an elimination diet. I'll take the fermentables for one week, and I'll remove that from the diet, see how the patient does. Mm. Then I'll put it back and I'll remove the next category. So that's most of the time people have symptoms. It's carbohydrate related. There's an entity called small intestinal bacterial uh, overgrowth. The, the acronym is SIBO. Mm. That's getting a lot of press. That's when there's bacteria in the small intestine that doesn't belong there. Mm. And we can have people drink a sugar substance and they breathe into a machine and we detect hydrogen in the breath. And uh, if that is positive, we can take an antibiotic and knock that out. Most of the time I can help patients, but uh, it does recur. It does recur. Constipation is different. Usually I'll do the same uh, algorithm on those patients, make sure there's nothing obstructing. Patients go to the Internet. They're fearful. They think they have something bad. I give them good news. Their symptoms may get better because it's somewhat psychological. Hmm. But I end up giving them usually psyllium husk, a lot of psyllium husk, and that helps 95% of the time. Carrie, can you stay on for a second? Because I want to sure, ask you. Absolutely. I just want to ask absolutely. you two things. One, so something for you to think about. That brilliant Australian guy who figured out what ulcers come from and that it's bacteria and not just stress. Right. I want to hear you right. tell that story. And I also want to yes. talk about your love and passion for being a Renaissance man and how music enriches your life as a doctor uh, because you play Beautiful. the music. So we'll take a break. We'll come back. We're talking to the great Dr. Carrie Strom. Right here on the Weekend Warrior Show on 710 ESPN. Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook Know Your Knee Posts. One of the most complicated areas of the body. ACL, PCL, MCL, patella supplication. Really? Dr. Clapper translates the language of your knee on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Whoa. Simply type in Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Wow! Your knee feels better already. Damn right. Like, follow, and feel better Hello there. with the Weekend Warrior Facebook page.